Hello Geekscapists, welcome to Geekscape episode 134. If you're new to Geekscape, this is the Movies, Video Games, and Comic Book Podcast where every week, myself, Jonathan London, your host, gets together with a knowledgeable expert in the world of movies, video games, and comics, and uh, talks about the latest news and reviews. Uh, you guys, if you've been with Geekscape for a while now, recognize the man to my left, your right, William Bibiani, recent recipient of the Favorite co-host award for being your favorite co-host. If by recent, we mean nine months ago. Yep, but let me tell you, we're getting close to our third anniversary here in a couple months. It is ridiculous, Mr. Gilmore over here running the camera. Uh, we're getting close to our third um, anniversary, and we're going to have another voting for who's the best co-host. William Viviani is in the running, uh, as well as some of you from Comic-Con. I mean, there's all sorts of people who've been on the couch this year. Welcome to Geekscape. We have a pretty cool show for you guys coming up. We're going to be talking about two movies. One of them is a sci-fi action adventure. The other one is more of a, a dramatic comedy, uh, an independent film. A, 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 a comma, if you will. Or a dramedy. And uh, either one, uh, I think both of them are going to be in these two guys' top five movies of the year. Hopefully, when things... When things one knows? of them. Who knows? One of them, oh, Okay, one of them, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Find out which one. You'll Next. find out which one pretty soon. So, William, uh, it's been yeah. a while since you've been on the show no by breaks. yourself. <laughs> I don't know why you're preempting, but there is nothing coming. And now we're from uh, our sponsors, the Jolly Rancher. We, we've been, um, we've had you on the show by yourself uh, a while ago, but you were on Comic Con, and true. we feel like we've seen a lot of you from your interviews and being active as a Geekscape journalist. Thank you. Uh, how have you been? Uh, yeah, I've been been okay. Been okay. The times are rough because of. Uh, the economy, uh, but uh, apart from that, y'all yeah, moving. Very excited about that. And where are you trick moving? Out. I am moving to the apartment next door to mine. He makes so, it sound like some dramatic thing. It's you know what? I need to. I have a dolly and everything, man. This this shit's gonna be off the hook, yo. Uh-huh. But uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, just uh, just kind of chill, a little bit along, just kind of get my flow going, gonna gonna keep it real. You can and... hear that going into your body. <laughs> Great. <laughs> It's a, it's a science show now. <laughs> Melt out. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing all right in that regard. I'm very much enjoying writing for the site. Yeah, no. Yeah, you, you are a phenomenal writer. We love how uh, prolific you are. Should I just take my pants off now, uh, Brian? <laughs> we are going to need you to service this man. All right. Uh, what's great about it is. Um, yeah. We are uh, always looking for new writers. You know, uh, we've been doing these Hollywood outdoor cinema mm-hmm. uh, screenings with uh, the company from Seattle and our friend Ryan Ryder. Ryan, uh, the man writer. Yeah, he and his father have been running the Fremont Outdoor Cinema since '92. Ryan took it over a couple years ago and split off and, and brought a new, uh, a new outdoor cinema to Los he struck Angeles. Struck out on his own, making and it making it his own. Geekscape's been sponsoring it, supporting it, and hosting it, and uh, the screenings have been great. This weekend we did Shaun of the Dead. It was fantastic. I got myself a costume. I'll put up some photos, but uh, check this out. This is my cricket bat, and uh, this awesome company, Zombies Happen, you guys can find them at zombieshappen.com, made these shirts just for the event, but they're still available on their website. I cricket bat zombies. I think it's a cool shirt. I do think it's a cool shirt. I um, think you, uh, you should be proud of that. In the, and it's been fun. These events have been great. This has been really, really good. There are, there are a lot of screening events in Los Angeles, but very few of them have the sense of, I don't know, camaraderie. A lot of times, you know, you're in a movie theater, you have to just sort of chill, you know, and be by yourself, you know, in a little click. But here, it's everyone gets to wander around, step on each other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have fun, yell the movie there's together. Contests, there's contests. There's contests, and exactly. It's... It's a bit more open than a lot of other, even outdoor film festivals in the area, and mm-hmm. I think you should check it out. So, Hollywood Outdoor Cinema for that one. Um, we've got two screenings left. I know that we're doing Fight Club this coming Friday. The last screening, we don't know what, what's going on it's with the Blade Runner right? It's a little in flux. Blade Runner, we might not get Blade Runner, but we're talking about some exciting things. Are we allowed to tease any of yeah, those? Well, any of the I possibilities? Like, I first wanted uh, The Lost Boys, but it sounds like that one's already getting screened in L.A. by the, the new Beverly. We were hoping to get some of the Twilight kids out for that. Uh, uh, then uh, we were talking about uh, maybe Big Trouble in Little China. That'd be it's cool. A possibility that'd be really cool. But the one I want, and this is the one I'm really hoping for, is if we can get the Warriors, because if, a lot of people have seen the Warriors. But if you haven't seen the Warriors with a crowd, when everyone's like, "Can you dig it?" and everyone's like, uh, "Yes, yes," as a matter of fact, we can dig it. Thank you very much. Uh, it's much more exciting. It's much more fun, and it plays so much better with an audience than it does in your. Well, apartment. hopefully, I think that's the best. Kind we've of had some great costumes come out. Exactly, and gotten and warriors. Every yeah. single character is a costume in and of itself. So 
And many of them very inexpensive. So, so yeah, if you, if you played for, Little League. I was excited for Blade Runner because I wanted to dress up like a unicorn. Well, I was excited for Leonard because I have the that this is cute. I would have the uh, my 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 roommate Matthew or my soon to be former roommate Matthew got me a uh, one of the a Blade Runner umbrella with like a fluorescent. Well, it looks like it has a fluorescent light in the in the stock. So that was kind of cool. I was gonna bring that out, but now. Corey, are you still here? Yeah. Corey Roberts from two episodes ago has been playing Punch Out in our living room this entire time. How are you doing, buddy? He says he's going to come back in here with a belt in a minute. Watch your mind. That's funny. Um, so, guys, two movies, District 9 and The World's Greatest Dad. World's Greatest Dad, uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, let's talk about District 9 because it also has The World's Greatest Dad in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, any World's Greatest Dad happens to be a character in District 9. Uh, I think a lot of you guys probably saw this. If you're in the United States, you probably saw this movie this past weekend. This is District 9. It's already made its money back. Uh, it's $30 million film. It's only a $30 it's already, million dollar even, movie. If it, even if it tanks, Which it's doing great. Which is insane. Because it really yeah. looks like an expensive movie. movie it looks better than G.I. Joe. It looks a hell of a lot better than G.I. Joe. Yeah, and G.I. Joe of like a romantic comedy. Yeah, G.I. Joe has like the special effects. I mean, it's slightly nicer. It's like bigger in scope. But G.I. Joe has the special effects of, say, you know, a Chinese special effects movie yeah. where just the standards are a little different. You look at something like Storm Riders or like that. It looks kind of neat. Well, you could have taken two-thirds of the budget of this yeah. movie and paid Will Smith. You could. To be Basically. Yeah. Or, or Jim Carrey to be in something. Yeah. yeah. But uh, guys, this is District 9. It's a movie directed by, and I think written by Neil Blomkamp. Uh, Neil Blomkamp. 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 He's a South African director. Yeah. You guys are familiar with him from reading about the Halo movie that hasn't come together. But they did do some shorts that are available online, and those are kind of neat. Those are really cool shorts. And he shoots in kind of a documentary fashion. Uh, taking kind of the, this documentary footage that he shoots and putting special effects into them to make yeah. them look like real world science fiction that's happening yeah. in, uh, Which in isn't our. Which is the single most innovative thing no, ever. But Cloverfield, he handles, Cloverfield, Cloverfield like uh, you know, Paul Verhoeven did some of that, like in the Robocop with like the news footage and everything. Sure. But you know what? He handles it so very well. It's very expertly done, and it really pulls you into the world. And then, as the film continues, we, we slowly start moving away from the documentary element, but never completely. And you can right. always suddenly find yourself back in the documentary as if, man, this embedded cameraman was the shit. This guy just totally just blended in with the crowd. No one even <laughs> fucking knew he was there. I mean, he's like right here. He's like, I don't even know he's here. I'm so occupied with my problems. And so are we as the audience that just... I don't, I don't want to talk too much about what happens in the movie. It's, but. it's tricky. Actually, both of the films this week are films that you really can't talk too much about the right. plot without, unfortunately, ruining it a bit for the audience. Because it's got great it. moments. Both it movies does. have really awesome moments. But, but keeping on District 9, it's uh, it's interesting. I, was, I, I went with a bunch of friends, and uh, one of them pointed out that it's the best video game movie he's ever seen. And, of course, it's not based on a video game. Because a lot of it is uh, based off of... It, there's almost sort of a quest element to it. Everything is like, okay, in this sequence... He's after our protagonist is after this, and then oh now we need this, and then we're gonna go. There's gonna be some action sequences to accomplish that, and then so on and so forth. And as a result, it's structured in a somewhat unusual way. It doesn't have like necessarily a traditional three act structure. Also, interesting thing is the protagonist is a dick. The protagonist uh, is, a, is a guy who works for a government agency, yeah. and the story on this movie is that for over twenty years, a spaceship all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere hovered over Johannesburg, mm -hmm. and when humans went up to make contact with this ship that was just hovering there, they opened it up, found a bunch of aliens living uh, inside of it in really bad health, uh, brought them down to like a, like, like a survivor camp, like a health camp, and they just kind of stayed there, and it turned into a slum called District 9. Uh, now, 20 years later... The, uh, the, the, the relations the between humans and aliens are completely strained. Humans, right. you know, just sick of having to deal with them. Their their culture is different. They look different. And their population has exploded. Their population has expanded uh, a lot, and so now they're they're going to move them from District Nine to District Ten, right? Uh, which is further away from from civilization. And uh, it sounds like a good thing. All of those uh, all those tents look really clean. You right. know, so all we need to do is just board them on that train. You know, maybe we'll we'll signify that they're different from human beings. Maybe we'll put some sort of like you know some sort of star on them or something like that, <laughs> just so that everything is perfectly clear, and then everything will turn out completely okay. And our protagonist, uh, who's Vickis, yeah, is is going around working yeah, for this. He's agency. a bureaucrat. He's a bit of a pencil pusher. Yeah. Uh, not totally respected by the military, uh, yeah. the mercenaries hired by the by yeah, the uh, exactly. corporation. But his job is to go in and start serving eviction notices. And as he's serving eviction notices, the plot starts moving yeah, forward. He starts coming into contact with 
characters and things you would normally not have, and things you, change. Yeah. You start things, to find out yeah. a lot about what the alien, how, why the aliens are there, and where they're going, yeah. and, and uh, why we, why we've been treating them exactly the way we've been treating them as well. Right. There's 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 uh, what do you call it? There's a plot going on that you might actually find intriguing. You don't want to spoil it too much, but yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> with something like Cloverfield. I have neighbors who are like hammering yeah. shit in. And they're just mad at us. They like, you they, stop ruining this for Here's the weird thing. They, they moved in like three weeks ago. And they're yeah. still like hammering shit. So guys, uh, <laughs> District 9. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the thing with Cloverfield that really put me off is a lot of it, for, for me, felt like style over substance. It's it, true. It, I like Cloverfield it, a lot, but it was a lot of style over substance. I was not into it. There was not enough there for, to, to bring me into the story. Yeah. Uh, it's, and, a fair, it's a fair criticism. But I and I was, I, I was not into that movie. I actually am really hard on that movie. Yeah. But um, this film is a lot of style. It is. There's a lot of thematic content to it. There's a lot of it. It's a, it's a thinking man's sci-fi action movie, and there's a lot of great action in it. I mean, it's really kind of kick-ass. But the content, but the heart of this movie yeah. is... I, I got to... I was actually uh, at both of our films this week. I think we're both mm -hmm. fans of both of the films we're reviewing this week. Both of them made me think a bit. Both when of I was them out of it, are I was thinking in, about me and my choices and my yeah, place in the world. Yeah, as of now, like sitting that, in, in mid-August, both of these are, are, yeah. are firmly in my top five so far of the year. Yeah. And the thing with... District Nine is uh, for a video game fan. Your your buddy was right. I mean, there are parts of this movie where you're like, "Wow, that's like watching Master Chief and the Arbiter run around co-op." Yeah, there's a grav gun from Half Life. There is I mean, a grav gun. That grav gun is awesome. I described the movie yeah. to some people last night at the outdoor cinema as Valve doing a bungee film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I think Valve like doing a that. Halo movie. So District because Nine. because the one thing about playing Halo, yes, it has a very intense military run and gun aspect. Yeah. But with a Valve game, it, they're paced so well, and it's such an immersive environment. Absolutely, and they, they do this things more subtly that. than Halo. And yeah. I think Halo One in particular does have actually quite a strong plotline that could make a good movie. But Valve just gets all the the minor elements right to make it feel like the world is real and lived in. It's and, extremely and cinematic. It's got all the details. It's much more cinematic in many ways, yeah. and so I think it's a very. Uh, you're smart. <laughs> no, uh, I just like You're to... You're good. The only things I like to talk about in this world are movies, video games, and comics. So, I, uh, and, uh, and, and Laura. I, I do like girls, but yeah. you know what? For 20 years of my life, they did not like me. <laughs> so, girls, you're still earning your worth in my heart. <laughs> so comics far, have always been there for movies, us. Movies, video games, and comics make up about 90% of my heart. At 10%, those I got about ninety percent of this is cholesterol. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's my so, problem. that's my problem. So guys, District Nine, we, we can we can beat it up over your heads as much as we want, um, but really just go see the movie because I'm a huge supporter of the movie. Yeah. Gilmore over Gilmore here is raising his hands, but because he has some criticism. Gilmore, I just I want I just I don't know if I, I didn't get very much sleep before, but so where are the aliens? Where did they go? Where do I see them? I, we're supposed there's supposed to be 1.8 million right. like, throughout the movie. They're picking. He, they're, he they're, feels that the population of that that is explicitly like four, stated in the film is not represented visually very there are like well. Four dozen around, and yeah. they're being treated like shit for so long. For this long, some yeah. people who are smart enough to develop that kind of technology. You know, um, should, yeah. should be able to mobilize a little yeah. bit. A, well, big, a big part of the plot is that the the, the U that the uh, right. bureaucrats. Want the, the the technology that the aliens have made the weapons exactly, and then there is we're not going to run any plot lines, but there are things in place that prevent them from simply being able to just grab it and use it. Now, here's the thing, though, and here's something that I would just occur to me just now thinking about it was you were talking about you know where are the aliens? Why aren't they all being filmed and everything? But here's the deal: it's it's a documentary, especially towards the beginning, and you got to realize that you know there's that theory I forget what it's called, but when you observe something, you change it. Maybe they're camera shy. <laughs> Maybe they're all off camera, you know, and that's that's just like oh fuck the cameras. At, at, at the at the same time, no, I, really I, I remember right. Gilmore, you you coming over to watch Menace to Society, and you were like, where are all the blacks? <laughs> you know what I mean? And and we watched uh, El Norte, and you were like, where are the Mexicans? That was uh, that you know? was me. We watched yeah. Glory, you were like, where are all the where are all the white Northerners? Uh, I mean, Gilmore, the, Gilmore, the, Gilmore, the, Gilmore, the, 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 Gilmore is so about much, the white there's Northerners. Only, there's only so much a, a, a wide shot can encompass in film, all right? What did you want? A giant map with a population? What did you want? You, I want, wanted, to see, you wanted a okay. screen full of aliens? You wanted a Marauder's map of District 9. You rarely, you, rarely, <laughs> you, you rarely see the same alien twice in this movie. unless. Well, you how do you know? Character. They all well, look you alike. The, you see the red no, ones. No, some of them are different t-shirts. You see the red ones and the yellow ones and the one with the bra. Yeah. And um, aliens and are sitting here talking to us, being like, "You see the white ones, 
black ones, the red ones, the the, the Asian ones, the, yeah. the yeah, Indian ones. Yeah, but you see them on mass, you know. Like you won't. Yeah. I feel like if the whole movie you felt was that you felt that there weren't of, enough Gandhi-esque crowd scenes to sell the film. If there was some kind of like uprising, like there was no sense of community other than they're like, it seems like there were just a few well, left. Well, here's the thing that's interesting is that one thing that we don't get a lot of throughout the film is an idea of exactly what the alien culture is. We know that it is different from ours. We know that they, uh, you know, they don't have necessarily a system of ownership, for example, or that a lot of the things that we consider to be uh, simple facts of life or, or, or completely alien to them, like the idea of bartering, is, is all this stuff is gone. So maybe that's just part of it: is that they don't unite the way that we would in a social situation, be it negative or positive. So I think a lot of that is that's perfectly valid. I can see where that could totally distract you in the film, but I don't think it's necessarily. Intrinsically problematic because it is a social difference. Well, it would be the because nicest it, way of telling him he's fucking wrong. No, well, no, no, because it would it would be if the kid the guy wasn't so compassionate about his kid and they shared yeah. the same a very human relationship. Yes, this kid. Uh, oh my th- god, this young baby alien, Zorak is his, his so little cute. Baby alien okay. in uh, yeah. District Nine yeah, is I spent like is cuter than the penguins in Happy Feet. Oh my god, I love yes. baby penguins. Yes. Yes. I hate the yes. penguins in Happy Feet. I hate it. They suck. No, but, I, sucks. but I spent like seventy percent of the movie worrying yeah. about this kid. Like, please <laughs> don't let anything happen to this. Exactly. Kid. And when was the last time anyone has ever said that about a kid in a science fiction or action film? Usually, if there's a like a five year old in the movie or something, you just like, oh god, why did you put this in here? Jesus. In aliens. Um, oh well, actually, I think that would be the last time yeah. that I didn't want a kid to die in an action movie. <laughs> that makes you. You, <laughs> you didn't like Newt? Yeah, oh come on! I was age appropriate when she came out. I thought she was hot. I was like six. What? Gilmore still does. Ouch, dude, that's not cool. Well, now have we seen her? She well, can see she, her she, now. She, she didn't exactly go and turn into Drew Barrymore or anything. Where'd she go? Maybe she is. Maybe that's how good an actor she's an, like, she is. Advertiser she and Drew Barrymore traded places years ago, like in Bubba Hotep. <laughs> so, guys, the other movie we're reviewing this week is directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. You might be like, "Wait, what?" Wait, yeah, I didn't know he directed it. Yeah, the guy wrote, wrote and, and directed, directed it. it. This is the guy who you know uh, played the retarded guy in Police Academy. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't. He had a speech impediment. That is not cool. You, 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 racist. Oh. Or well, whatever that is, speech impedimentist. Okay, so he had a speech impediment. Well, no, I think he was just portraying he it. Just... He doesn't actually talk like that. It was just, it was just how he was portraying the but character. But his character, yeah, he, it was, I, I, was his, I, didn't, I didn't say he persona. was a retarded police. Character I mean, I he doesn't actually a, a carry retarded. props with him all the time. That's just his comic persona. Okay, no, but he did that in every character. He That's did for one crazy I know. Summer? That was his persona. That's what he does. Robin Williams does, okay. you know, is his, his, his Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey did crazy faces for a long time. Tyrese plays Tyrese. Exactly. Um, so, so guys, cut some damn slack, okay. Man. We uh, all I'm saying is we remember him from those movies. Absolutely, we remember and him. He as played a, as a, as a very a, specific character. Absolutely, he had, that had I a less than stellar acting career. That you know, it wasn't bad, but no one was really like, oh man, when's, where's his Oscar? I'm telling you right now, Bobcat Goldthwait wrote and directed this movie called The World's Greatest Dad, called World's Greatest Dad, with Robin Williams in it, playing the father of. Uh, a, a problematic kind of perverted high school 15 year old played by Juni from uh, Spy Kids 1, 2, and 3 right played by the kid from Spy Kids yeah and he'll surprise you yeah and um, he and his, and his son have this disconnect which is really starting to wear on the two of them and yeah. uh, he is a failed writer he's been writing almost his entire life and normally that's published. a normally that's a bad sign in a movie right. when your character is a failed writer but in this case it really right. ties in everything really nicely He's and, also a teacher at yeah. the school where his 15-year-old son uh, attends. His 15-year-old yeah. son is just horrible to him. Yeah. Which a lot of 15-year-old sons probably are to their parents, mm-hmm. but uh, but he's a... Like, uh, really, an overachieving teacher, right. dick to his father. He's he, a poetry teacher. The, the poetry yeah. class is about to get canned. Not, yeah. he, he, he he's, got a, he's got a manipulative girlfriend who doesn't even realize how manipulative she is. And, and these, he's really just a... The rejection slips yeah. from his publishers yeah. are just... Right. Now Nothing is going for this Absolutely. Guy. Now, here's the thing, though. This, that, that's the start of a lot of Robin Williams movies to some degree. It's like, oh, what a pathetic guy. Well, he's going to start cross-dressing soon, and everything will work itself out. <laughs> right. In World's Greatest Dad, there is an impetus. It happens a little later in the film, but something happens uh, that happens late enough in the film that no one is allowed to talk about it. Because uh, it we happens, won't talk about it we're here, not right? we're not going to talk about the plot too much, which sucks, because the plot is fantastic. I was actually told by the publicist for the movie, yeah. don't Do, talk yeah. about blank and I read it there in the email before I knew anything yeah. about the movie please we've heard that this is leaking yeah. do not talk about blank and I read it and I said well I didn't know blank until you said yeah you ruined it for us why would you I do that I don't mean that you guys are no 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 oh we're gonna bleep that out 
We're gonna. If anyone asks, we said you joyous, wonderful people. You joyous, wonderful people who yeah. gave us these pens. These lovely pens from uh, the movie, um, which I which I I wear proudly. I was I was just like whoa, <laughs> and and, yeah. and so bringing William to this, yeah. I, I said you know what the one thing I'm not gonna do is tell and William thank what you, happens. By the way, because I was watching, I had no idea. Here's the thing, I it's not the trailer. No, I I I've studied storytelling for a long time. I went to film school. I, I all these. I'm really kind of a bright guy, but uh, I'm watching this movie and I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> it's and then like the plot like really kicks in. You should have a skull to get. He wrote the Iliad. I did write the Iliad. Uh, no, the, when the plot finally kicked in, I'm like, oh, I kind of see where this is going. No, I have no idea where this is going. There's really is an unexpected, extremely satisfying, extremely rich. I can't remember. The, it's yeah. this industry nine. It's extremely really, complex. Yeah. Really, a lot of interesting thematic questions. Stuff that after when you're watching it, you actually wonder how you feel about what's going on in a variety of levels. Is this right? Is this wrong? Is is I don't know. It's challenging, which is not something I expected from a Bobcat Goldthwait movie or a Robin Williams movie or any movie called The World's Greatest Dad. With the poster that looks like a Disney movie. With, and here's the thing. I want everyone to go see this movie, bring the kids. <laughs> uh, Within and, three minutes, you'll know that you've made a mistake. <laughs> huge, huge mistake. But this movie is extremely exceptional. Uh, I think it's one of the best comedies of the last ten years. I think it's one of the most interesting movies of this year by far. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough, and I don't usually lavish praise on anything. Like this. It, it, there might be some issues the movie's here and that there. Good. I think the movie is genuinely that good. I think it's got like everything, like that kind of like weird, kind of uh, observational, like Napoleon Dynamite type humor, where it just kind of gets objective in it, but it also has more depth than that. Um, so I think it's going to attract a lot of interesting audiences. I think people, it's going to get like Kevin Smith crowd, the Napoleon Dynamite crowd the Woody Allen crowd, a lot of people are going to find this movie uh, fascinating. If you're looking for something more specific to latch on to, if you yeah. guys are fans of like a Todd Solon's type of Or Neil Labute. If Neil Labute was yeah. really funny, this is, this is a really good example. There are parts of this movie be. where you're going to laugh out loud yeah. quite a bit, and then there are parts where you're going to be extremely heartbroken yeah. and have to think about the repercussions of what's going on on the yeah. screen. It is a 100% uh, evocative movie. We, we give it the, the Geekscape's highest rating, 96 stars. Okay. Yeah. 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 Really? Nope. No. <laughs> that means nothing. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Not a thing. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. I was trying to see if I could get away with it, folks. Nope. Sorry about that, Bobcat. No. I tried. I was trying. To, I'm just trying to get on the poster. No, I, <laughs> just trying I, to get I, on the poster. It's just I'm trying to get Geekscape. Stars. It's the best film of the year. <laughs> says Geekscape. Uh, well, well, you're not wrong, but we gave 96 stars to Eight Below. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Then you know it is no Eight Below. We're gonna have to give yeah. this a 95. Can we give this? No, we got to give it Eight Below 96 stars. So it's 88 stars. 88 stars. No, we gave that to 88 minutes. Fuck. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> Which one was 88 That minutes? was the one with Al Pacino, Al Pacino where right. he's like some kind of like forensic psychology and Bison, professor. And Bison's and against him? Which one? The guy who played Bison? Oh, the, the, oh, the new movie? Bison, yeah. The movie was awesome. Did you, you saw 88 I Minutes? Saw, no, I didn't see 88 Minutes. Was I was talking about Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li. No, it wasn't. No. It was the same guy. I think it was I the same guy who did Righteous minutes. Kill. Or something. It's just like some guy who that somehow was the same feel. I think it. I just here's the thing. I just don't know how. Middle of the road. Someone, someone really got yeah. to know Al Pacino really well. He said, "Hey, Al Pacino, <laughs> we can live forever on Netflix." <laughs> I think Al Pacino's living forever without Netflix. Yeah, right. But but, but man, those movies. But together we can live forever at the together. end of everyone's instant. <laughs> it's not important that anybody wants to actually see it in the theaters. Al Pacino. Here's the thing. <laughs> there are a lot of great actors out there who had horrible last films. Ronald Julia had Street Fighter. Uh, and like, Sean Connery like doesn't make no like Al Pacino's Al trying Al, no I'm mean, Al Pacino's trying Al Pacino wants to make sure he joins the ranks of Marlon Brando or uh, Sean Connery he isn't dead yet but it's his last movie was League of Extraordinary You're Gentlemen right. Gene Hackman's last film was Welcome to Mooseport he's alive he is alive but again they're struggling to make their last impression on audiences just god awful Gene Hackman has to have acted since no then. we checked this last night we were having an argument about this while we were waiting for Shaun of the Dead we're like no that cannot be Gene Hackman's last film actually we thought it was Behind Enemy Lines and then it turns out he made one film after that and that was Welcome to Mooseport with, no uh, man Behind Enemy Lines was a shit can we take the out of that sentence? <laughs> but, uh, That's the one with Owen Wilson? Behind yeah. Enemy Lines was the shit. Man, Man. that one part where he had to hide among the dead <laughs> in that mass yeah. grave. It was were, like Enemy at the Gates. Oh, that shit was like Enemy, enemy at the Gates. Gates. How dare you, sir? Oh, I had Ron Perlman in it. In it just because it has Ron Perlman in it doesn't mean it's great. It means it's better than it should be. 
Enemy at the Gates definitely has the most ew kind of sex scene you've ever seen. Yeah, it was in the pretty movie. gross. In the sleeping yeah, bag well, or whatever it was. A few times yeah. I've actually thought, like, I wonder if she smells weird. You're like, this isn't sexy at all. Yeah. They're like in the, they're like sleeping among soldiers and they sneak a bag. Probably haven't like, showered in like Ugh. weeks. Yeah. She's probably got a murk in the, up to her fucking stomach. Yeah, Good like times. on Lost, I always think, when I'm watching Lost, yeah. I always think about their breath. Yeah, almost gotta be rough. Oh, yeah. How are their teeth not falling out of love? I have no well, idea. Well, they, they were only on the island for like three months. Okay, if they're on the island for three days, all their breath sucks. No, fair enough. <laughs> I'm, worried, I'm talking about the teeth falling out. Is is perhaps an exaggeration. Well, you know, uh, maybe Ralph Oppel, who is a big our, our resident geekscapist who loves Lost, maybe he can find us like some Dharma toothpaste. They had Dharma and some toothpaste. Dharma toothbrushes. They had, they had Dharma cleaning supplies all over the all over the place. Once they found that hatch uh, in like after right. they've been there for like a month, so after one month they had toothpaste, mouthwash. It's clear. Done. Whatever. That first kiss, disgusting. Granted. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. No, seriously. I'm not hilarious. touching any of them with a ten foot pole. So, guys, um, that is our movie reviews. We urge both of you. If you haven't seen them, yeah, yeah. guys. Uh, <laughs> we'll, if you we'll have seen them, just disregard the last hour of twenty both minutes. Both of you who are watching. <laughs> that's what I was. That's what I like. We urge both of you who are watching. Both of you. Mom, Dad, we definitely just make go. a podcast for our two buddies overseas. <laughs> guys, uh, District Nine. I was going to say both movies. But District <laughs> District 9 uh, is open. Definitely go see it. <laughs> World's oh, Greatest God, I Dad. I hope our audience thinks that's funny. World's Greatest Dad opens this Friday in L.A. and New York. Both of you think that's funny. I want every single one of you guys to go see this movie because it yeah. is that great. Yeah. Um, if you don't like it, post it on the Geekscape boards at the geekscape.net Let's website. Let's start a conversation about this. Yeah, let's do let's it. start a dialogue. But please... Keep the spoilers to a man. Yeah, especially on World's Greatest Dad, because it, it seriously people deserve the right to see. It's one of those movies people deserve the right to see it, knowing it's a little going in, just to appreciate it. It's not. It's not gonna. You know, the plot isn't like you know, things, Citizen Kane. Things become interesting. It's not gonna, it's not gonna blow point. your yeah. mind and and you know, with a twist or anything it's like that. Like that it's just line. it's just unexpected plotting. It goes places you don't think a comedy would go, and have some respect for that because that's. That's pretty cool. Even if you're not as big a fan of it as I was, pretty mad. Cool. That, move, yeah. I was pretty mad that Entertainment Weekly put that pick, that that cover of District Nine on their yeah, magazine. Yeah, I was kind of lame. I was pretty pissed about that. What else happened this week, uh, guys? The Spider-Man musical that we all were like, "Why?" That Julie Taymor was going to direct and had music from Bono and Edge. Uh, they were going to put it up in New York. Uh, it got canceled. They're not going to do the Spider-Man musical. No! They're not going to see the Spider-Man musical. It was supposedly going to cost like a million dollars a week to keep going, and it would it would have had to have had well not in this economy. It was supposed to have like sold out shows for five years straight to make its money back. Uh, Brian Singer is on board as a director for the uh, Brian uh, for a Battlestar Galactica feature film. This is the original storyline from the 1980 Egypt and and uh, aliens. I think they're aliens. It was it's it's not the new one that everyone loves. It's it's the remake of the one that no one loves anymore. But you know what? Originally, that he and uh, Tom DeSanto wanted to make this before the TV series started, and it had actually and this is going to had a little bit of momentum, right? Had some momentum, but every like when I know every like you know critic or, or, or development person or whoever who had some access to that material said they weren't a big fan of it. And then ultimately what we got was was generally better. Now, I haven't, so I'm just giving this, like, third hand. But it's not concerning when, like, no one seems enthusiastic about it who actually knew what they were had intended with the material. Right. You know, when Buzz... Okay, here's what we're... Buzz wanted, has been bad. Yeah. Uh, I like Brian Singer. I think he... I think the, the kid's got some talent uh, when he isn't making Superman. Uh, but do we really want... Because here's the thing. This has clearly been 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 pushed forward very quickly because the recent remake of Star Trek or, or you know reboot uh, has been very successful. So what else do we got? What other sci-fi series do we have that we can just pump out there? So Battlestar. But the difference is that Battlestar has very recently been in the public consciousness. Right. It's not like the original Star Trek series. Yeah, it's on DVD and stuff, but it hasn't been a regular you know mainstay in entertainment for a while. So you get more freedom with it. Here, I don't know if that's a good idea. I, 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 have, I find fault. Well, one of Brian Singer's good buddies... Anyway, if that's what they're going One on. of his good buddies, Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote The Usual Suspects, uh, also wrote... Uh, or is writing. Yeah, it, it, well, he, he wrote some other stuff for... He for, did. Uh, he, he wrote uh, Valkyrie, and right. he wrote... Ap- uh, no, he didn't write Ap Pupil. I'm sorry, that was my mistake. Anyway, Christopher McQuarrie, who did write and direct Way of the Gun, which is a good movie... That was a great movie. Uh, ...is writing the Wolverine movie. This yeah, is the, the sequel to the yeah. Wolverine. Supposedly, it's going to take place origin in the yeah. story of Logan the Wolverine. Yeah, and supposedly this one's going to take place in Japan. It's going to be the whole, you know, Silver Samurai, Samurai Mariko, Chris stuff. Claremont. Yeah, uh, storyline that Frank Miller. Yeah, 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 no. yeah <laughs> guys, I'm hopping off this train right now. 
Uh, I still haven't seen Wolverine uh, Origins, the, the story, first one. The I, story of Logan the Wolverine? I have not. Uh, I, I I got the gist of it. I played the video game, which was actually rather right. entertaining, oh and it beat him up kind of well. I, I wish just, that the movie wouldn't have just, existed, and yeah. they just would have done Just the, leave the it at that. The game was kind of cool. Just yeah, let's that. just, yeah, play the video game. This is, I'll never say that again. Play the video game, ignore the movie. Guys, Legendary Pictures, uh, who I think was, was part of the Superman Returns. I think so, uh, too. They want to put together a Godzilla movie. For yeah, the states. a Godzilla Let's reboot. So I'm um, all for it. I'm a big fan of Godzilla. Yeah, giant monster. I think you know, that, a giant monster movie could do very well. But they, uh, they got just got to remember what's important. Yeah. This is basically yeah uh, an environmental story. It's an allegory told it's through good. pro wrestling. <laughs> I mean that. I mean that, that's what oh, I yeah, love about Godzilla. Well, yeah, the monster fights, but that wasn't even the original. The thing with the, you think, here's the thing, though. I think you need some kind of other monster from this otherwise I think I think you got some ideas here yeah you want pro wrestling you want if here's the thing if it is like some sort of mutation because of nuclear weapons or chemical testing or whatever uh, why was there only one thing let's right. you have so many options to do like a destroy all monsters kind of movie right. really which could be cool and it'd be a bigger more exciting action movie um, should Neil Gaiman write this movie yeah okay uh, guys speaking of comic books and comic book writers and their transition to the screen the Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman's story about survivors in a zombie apocalypse, uh, has been optioned. That's a surprise. By Frank Darabont. And <laughs> That's not that is, that is a surprise. As a TV like a, series, which is how yeah. we want to see this thing told. Yeah, as a movie, it kind of misses the point because because Walking Dead, as great as it is, and I'm way far behind on it, so I don't Did reveal it. any okay. two big plot points. I won't. But the whole my premise of it is it's a it's a zombie movie that never stops. Yeah, it's, it's you're just living in it. Exactly. That's it's because the, the thing with the zombie movie is it's got to be contained. I mean, even if you make a three-hour movie, it's still only three hours of the zombie apocalypse, and this this will go on forever. Basically, that's the whole idea of an apocalypse. Is that that's it? That's the end. This is this is the way it is now. So doing it as a TV show is the only way to handle. Do they have it. a network lined up? AMC, who does Breaking Bad and and Mad Men. Mad so Men's they uh, they know what they're doing. I'm down. And they, and they don't do many television series, and they really get behind the ones that they do do. So I think this is uh, crazy. And they had that great uh, sitcom called Remember When. Remember that? I think it was Remember When. It was about it was about a uh, it was about a radio series in like the 1930s. It was really really funny. I don't think it's on DVD or anything, but if you can find some episodes on YouTube, they were great. Remember when? Nope. So guys, we're big fans of this man's work here on Geekscape, and he's coming out in a new movie, which I think is based on a oh, I thought you were talking about me. We are fans of yours. But uh, we're big fans of his. Uh, this new movie has Paul Bettany playing a rogue angel who races to Earth and, pr and protects uh, a woman's unborn child in a diner out in the middle of nowhere. Other um, other actors in this movie are Dennis Wait, what movie Quaid. are you talking about? We haven't even named them in the movie yet. Oh, yeah, we have. Oh, a we rogue have? angel, okay. played by Paul Bettany, races to Earth to yeah. stop the other angels who are out yeah. to kill this this yeah. unborn child, protected by him, Dennis Quaid, yeah. the dude who plays Rock. Uh, Charles S. Dutton. Charles S. Dutton. Who's great. The kid from Sling Blade, now grown up, who drives yeah. fast cars in Japan. Uh, whose name actually does escape me. Yeah, in, in the yeah. third Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. And our favorite thespian here on Geekscape, Tyrese. Yeah. They're all in this new movie. We're still throwing the trailer for you right now. Yeah. Uh, it's called Legion. And I gotta tell you, this movie feels like Terminator with angel wings. Actually, for me, it feels... And a little bit of Precinct 13. No, it feels, for me, like The Prophecy meets Tremors. Okay, yeah, there you That's go. That's how it is. With the desert setting, and then you get the prophecy, only it's like, oh, we're not trying to kill the Antichrist, we're trying to kill the actual Christ. Which, here's the thing, I'm going to guess it right now, and if I'm right, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm guessing that the kid is actually the Antichrist, and Paul Bettany is actually Lucifer. That's what I was going to That's think. exactly yeah. what I whoa, think whoa, that's going to be. Guys, guys. We have no idea if that's true, but when we trailer, watch the trailer, we just assume. Yeah. This, is, this is an uneducated, it's not, but uh, here's the thing. This an is uninformed uh, opinion, because in, if that's right, who's Tyrese? Who isn't Tyrese? There you go. What Proper is? answer. <laughs> what, what is? How, wait. How does Tyrese you, fit you're, into you're this? You're forgetting the Tyrese factor. Tyrese plays Dante. You think Tyrese? <laughs> Dante Alighieri is his you journey. You think Tyrese is just going to look at a script and say, "I'll do it"? No, never. No, no, no. no. Under no circumstances. Looking at the span of this man's work, his critical eye tells us otherwise. All right. The man was too fast, too furious. Yeah. Wait, was that Tyrese? That's for later. Tyrese was. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, so Tyrese he was too fast surreal. and too furious, and therefore incapable of being we less fast and less furious in his acting choices. I can't wait to I see this Legion movie. I'm all for Angel kicking it ass looks stuff. Cute. It looks, it looks great silly. for a movie that comes out in January. Exactly. That's so. why I'm actually excited. Yeah, if it were coming scene. out any time other than January, no, I wouldn't care. But that's exactly why I'm excited for uh, Supernatural starts up in September. All right. Uh, 
Uh, okay, is guys. Is Tyrese is in it? Angel's in it. Ah. We, uh, I'm really excited to see Tyrese kick some angel ass. <laughs> guys, uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, Brian Singer's Superman movie. Again, we got to tell you that DC has lost the rights to Superman's origins. Mm hmm. Back to one of the, the pretty, pretty much everything yeah. the, the initial stuff in his origin. And it's not everything that people think it is, but it's well, one of the families of the original creators. Yes, the the, the Siegel. seagulls. Yeah, the seagulls uh, uh, have have now retained the rights to the initial story elements of Superman. So in two thousand, when do they get the rights? They get the, the, Jerry Siegel's Jerry Siegel's family now has the rights. They now have the rights to uh, him being born on Krypton, Krypton exploding, uh, the initial set of powers. His, the names of his parents. The names of his parents. Krypton. Kryptonite? Yeah, don't have Kryptonite. They don't Kryptonite, have Kryptonite. Kryptonite was invented later on the radio series. And oh. so DC actually owns the rights to that. And his DC owns the rights to various elements of they Superman. They have his powers. They have the power of flight, specifically. Uh -huh. They have the newer powers, like uh, I think X-ray vision, maybe. Electric Superman. Red, uh, they, red and blue they Superman. Have, electric Superman is safe. So that's good for all of us. But they have uh, Lex Luthor, and they have Jimmy Olsen. Everyone in the Daily Planet. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they have Lois Lane. Oh. I don't think they have, I could be wrong about it. I don't think they have Lois Lane. I think I think the Seagulls have Lois Lane. Now listen, I could uh, be wrong about does that, that mean that, yeah. that that even in the comic books they have to not throw back to that? Okay, and in these movies they're forced to do either a Superman movie or a JLA, JLA movie and put mm -hmm. it into production sometime. Well, one thing in they can do is they can just skip over the origin. Sure, but do you think that it would be I think smart. everyone knows the origin. I think we can just sort of But he, but here's this. Giant here, here here here's this, William. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying this is a good thing. This is actually a really weird thing. Usually, yeah. these, this kind of decision goes in favor of the big heartless corporation. Oh, so how, that they're, they're, they're not well. I'm, 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 I'm mainly caricaturing them for the purpose of a conversation. <coughs> but you know, usually, like you know, if Disney says, uh, "Oh, well, do you want Mickey Mouse to go in public domain?" Well, here are our lawyers, and then Mickey Mouse doesn't go into public domain. Uh, or Why something would you like want Mickey Mouse in public domain. <coughs> My point is that legally it's supposed to. Sure. You need to have that as an element. Sure. Otherwise, Chainsaw. the sure. stuff never. Right. Otherwise, nothing ever happens in that regard. And so it then, becomes everyone, how will this affect us as a people? That's a good question, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think in the short term, DC can simply pay them. Yeah. But in 2013, DC loses all rights to Superman. Yeah, actually, Warner's does. Well, well, why don't they Woo. just keep optioning this character? I suppose they can. This, yeah. Now they're going to have to or shell out rights, cash. Right. Every single time he appears in a comic book, they have to pay this one family. And I imagine that doesn't seem that appealing to them. But this, but this is one of the most recognizable icons on the Absolutely. Planet. No, they're going to shell... Someone's, gonna be, someone's getting paid, basically, for this. It's just a matter of... It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but right now it's all speculation as to exactly what is going to happen. Now, justifiably... justifiably do we like this? Like, yes. what do we think I, of this family? I, I, yes. I, I think the family is entirely within their rights to give this a shot. I'm amazed it went their way, but seriously, good for them. They're they're someone like in a very close relatives, like their grandfather or whatever, did a, a really incredible work. He got screwed over, and now he's getting they're getting what's coming to them, and good, good for them. Good. And that element, good for them. On the downside. For all of us fans who are used to seeing Superman in a very specific form for a very long time, this might get confusing really fast. So we'll find out. Yeah. Guys, let's segue on into comic. Oh, can, can he not fly now? Uh, the, no, DC owns the DC owns the rights books, to flight. In the original books, he only bounced. Okay. Yeah, he could jump. So but did DC he have owns super the strength. Or they yeah. Have the strength? Yeah. yeah, the strength. So then he can't do any shows of strength. <laughs> he weird. just flies around. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. That's if they don't want to pay them. What about the X-ray eyes? I think they have the X-ray eyes. I could be wrong about that, but I think he has the X-ray eyes. I have the X-ray eyes. But uh, they also have kryptonite there, so nice. you know. Well, I don't know. We'll find out. It's nice. very weird. The legal specifics are available nice. on Wikipedia by now. I'm certain. Nice. If you're really concerned, you should check it. It is nice. I have the X-ray eyes. Now I'm looking at all of you, guys. Let's talk comics. Let's talk comics. Let us talk comics. Welcome to kids. Welcome. Every other week, we go back to the greatest crossover currently happening in comics. This Blackest Night event, I am so stoked on it. Recently, the Blackest Night issue 2 came out. We've also got Blackest Night Batman started up. And we've got Blackest Night the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. And uh, those three books came out in the last two weeks. I gotta tell you, uh, I'm not big on getting the ancillary titles, so I was like, should I get Blackest Night Batman? Yeah, they're usually really hit or miss and favoring miss. And this one, this Blackest Night Batman, I gotta tell you, was almost as satisfying as the main title, Blackest, Blackest Night, Night. was awesome. I was wasn't a huge fan. I, I, was, I, was like, I wasn't even gonna pick it up, and then you picked it up, and I was like, well, can I borrow that? And thank God I did, because it's neat. 
Yeah, you've got Dead Man here, who's a spirit yeah. whose power really is inhabiting other people, controlling their actual mortal body. And yeah. that, that's how he his can basic power done. is that he's dead. And right, can possess you. He's a bit of a ghost, and he can possess you. Yeah. And when this Blackest Night thing happens, you know that they're bringing back vil- uh, Every, dead, anyone dead who's villains, died. dead heroes, and yeah. dead loved ones. Yeah. He how senses, does that affect Dead Man? That's fantastic. Dead Man says, "Wait a minute." Uh, a, a black lantern ring has shot into his body. It starts coming up out of the grave, and he says, "Wait, I don't want to be brought back to life." He jumps into his own body, immediately downloads this hive mind of everything that's happened in the blackest night. Uh, Can't take it so far. It's yeah. awful, and it he just has to jump out. out, and he's trying to solve his problems by doing what he usually does: jumping into superheroes, friends, allies. And the first thing he does is, well, "Let's go find Batman." Right. Jumps into Batman. What the fuck is Batman? He goes, "Wait, Grayson." What Dick, the hell? Dick Grayson's Batman? Because as we know, Bruce is gone. Yeah. Dick Grayson took the mantle of Batman. And Damien is like, what the hell is going on here? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it, it He starts punching him as he's driving. <laughs> it's crazy. They drive off the road. <laughs> and uh, Deadman can't believe that he had yeah. no idea Bruce Wayne was gone right. and is freaked out right. that he's just jumped into Dick Grayson. I wasn't saying he, 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 yeah. he leaps before he looks, Deadman. What I like about uh, uh, Darkest Night Batman uh, is that, well, there's a couple of things, but it doesn't go where you expected it to go. When I first heard uh, Blackest Night uh, Batman, I thought, well, it's going to be about Bruce Wayne being resurrected. Right. Not that it's going to be about Dick Grayson Batman, and that's what it is. I'm like, good, that's yeah. great, actually. Thank you, thank you for keeping him dead for at least another issue, of Blackest Night Batman. But also, that what I like about this one is that it's exploring characters who are not necessarily directly related. When I, uh, when it, I first started, it feels reading, like a brave and bold. It does. When I started reading Blackest Night, uh, I was actually initially somewhat disappointed because I thought of it as this big Green Lantern epic, and I wasn't seeing it as basically this year's Infinite Crisis. Yes, and it. It is, and when it's focusing on the smaller characters and how they're relating to all of this, when they're focusing on Batman, who isn't actually directly related to any of this, when it's focusing on Dead Man, who is brilliantly related to any of this but hadn't been mentioned before, uh, they're actually exploring interesting aspects of the main storyline as opposed to saying, oh, what's Wonder Woman doing now? And then in the main book, the main Blackest Night book, in issue two, you start seeing how this is affecting some of the other characters. I thought the Aquaman sequence where Aqualad... And uh, the Queen of, of Atlantis, now, yeah, are, are, are uh, they start getting attacked by Aquaman? Yeah, and it is hardcore what is going on. That's the, the, the first time is, anyone has referred to Aquaman as being hardcore in years. I know, but but he's dead now. It's cool. And all these people want to do is reach in, rip your heart out, and turn you into a Black Lantern, and they're succeeding at this. In the yeah. at the end of the first Black Lantern book, you, we lost. Hot Girl and Hawkman, and that yeah. was a hardcore scene. That it, was pretty it, cool. I mean, we all expect them to die eventually anyway, because that's their, literally their plot line. Their but plot line literally very, is very, very dramatic. These, well. these two lovers continue to get resurrected as Hawkman and Hot Girl. Yeah. And when whenever they, uh, whenever they make their love permanent, like yeah, or, or whenever, whenever, whenever they, they literally declare their love, and it looks like everything's going to turn out okay, that's when they will die. And that's what they did in that last yeah series, uh, that yeah. last issue of Blackest Night number yeah. one. And they immediately are dead, resurrected as black as, exactly. uh, as uh, Black Lanterns. Yeah. And, it, and in this issue, issue two, you see a really cool sequ- sequence with the Spectre, who used to be Hal Jordan, who's now yeah. Green Lantern. You have Zatanna. Mm-hmm. You have the Blue Demon. Yeah. And the Phantom Stranger. Yeah. These are magic detectives. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting. Where's Detective Chimp? I, I right. completely missed. Well, that. well these these are all magic based people. I know. Well, and so they're, they're all hang, they're all hanging out, and they're like, "What the hell is going on with the dead here?" Yeah. And, no, and then, one and of then, the Blackest Night representatives shows up and says, I am the going... Pariah uh, from uh, yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths, I, I'm really go, tying I'm, everything together. I am coming after everyone yeah. who who escapes death before. Yeah. Like, like uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Which has people, me looking forward to Blackest Night Superman. People, those people are immortal. Yeah. They keep coming back, so yeah. I'm, I'm recruiting them first. Yeah. And now looking at you, Blue Demon Zatanna, mm-hmm. you guys are, are alive. Yeah. Spectre, you're dead. Your half of you is. You're with me. Yeah. And then Phantom Stranger, I don't even know what you are. Yeah. Well, so the Spectre starts getting turned into yeah. like a Black Lantern corpse. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he says when he gets turned is, I want Hal Jordan back, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because he is still at the center. Of Absolutely. This. You know what was interesting, actually, was a page that I had to, I read it twice, actually, because the first time I couldn't tell what they were getting at. But there's a page where it's literally just the Black Lantern ring going around the graves of Hawk and Dove. Trying to resurrect, trying to resurrect Dove, and it can't. It can't because he's actually at peace. Because Dove is just you know a sweet guy, right. and uh, Hawk, of course, he's bouncing yeah, off this yeah. protective field. Yeah, exactly. So it was very, very cool. There's there's elements of it that are still being introduced. I'm a big, big fan of this. This is the most satisfying event arc 
since. I, well, obviously, we'll see where it goes, right. but it's since at least since Infinite Crisis, which which at least was as epic as it was supposed to be. Guys, uh, the other big DC offering is Wednesday's Comics. Uh, Wednesday Comics. I don't know if you guys are reading this weekly thing. It's a uh, it's like an old school Sunday comics section, and it's telling stories about uh, every week. It's got another uh, episode in a weekly story, one page story about our favorite DC characters. I'm hugely satisfied by this, but of course I'm collecting several of them and then reading them all through at once. I feel if I was literally reading them one after another every week, I think it would be a little too des- uh, like disparate to, to, to get. I mm-hmm. think I would lose track of what's going on. Yeah. Like lost. The, only one oh. that, the only one I haven't been satisfied with that I just stopped caring about was the Wonder Woman. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't I actually been reading on these. It, but uh, because some of this stuff is really economy. cool. But, but uh, some of these creators yeah. are really pacing it for one page, yeah. and they're getting the most out of it. That's good. Uh, so Wednesday's comics is pretty awesome, and, and I you can read you, them any day of the week. <laughs> That's the great thing. You can read them any day of the week. You, can, you need to acquire them on a Wednesday. Then I picked up this thing. I even let William borrow it. It's called Mayhem. Tyrus Gibson's Mayhem. How much did you pay First for that? Issue. I did not pay ten dollars for this. Uh, tell some new viewers what the hell this is. Oh yeah, for those of you who missed uh, previous uh, episodes, two episodes ago, with our good boy Corey Roberts, who's in yes. the other room playing Punch Out. Yeah, we were at Comic Con and uh, we were we were wandering the floor. Actually, Gilmore and I were wandering the floor, and we caught this firsthand at the <laughs> at the Image booth, where it was it was Saturday, right? It was a big day. Everyone's there. It's the biggest day of Comic Con, and all of a sudden, we see at the Image booth some guy behind the booth doing one of these. Hey everybody, look, it's Tyrese! Hey, oh my god, it's Tyrese Gibson! Oh my god, it's Tyrese! And then everyone looks up and, hey, it's Tyrese at the image booth! How neat! So Tyrese stands on the table, like, you know, calling attention to himself. We're going to force this story yeah. to become escape like, lore. I have new issues! I have issues in my comic! It's mayhem! And everyone's like, yay, we love comics, because we're a comic And then he gets people to shout mayhem. He's yeah. like, what do I say? Yeah, you said mayhem! Yeah, mayhem! Yeah, mayhem! Yeah, mayhem! Exactly. So everyone's getting pumped, and then he starts, <laughs> and then he literally starts handing out comics. To people in the crowd, everyone's like, "Yay, we love comics! Thank you, Tyrese. Comic Con nice that guy. will always spell free." Exactly. And then as soon as he gets to people's hands, he says, "There'll be ten bucks." That <laughs> <laughs> will be ten bucks. So for the audience, what it's, do they see as audience members? Bring them through this. What do they see if they look up and they all, see Tyrese? They see Tyrese do, basically handing you a comic in his hand and then kind of doing this with the, the other audience. one. <laughs> and he looks you like see, this. you see a lot of this. He's trying to push it back. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to give me. Keep I it back. It's okay. Back. And then, and then back. when he sees that his initial plan of attack wasn't going well, he's like, "Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll pay for two of them." <laughs> so guys, I'll pay for two. Of them. I'm doing you a Listen, huge favor. With, with that much hoopla, they were signed though. With that much hoopla, I had to find out for myself yeah. if Tyrese Gibson's mayhem was worth all the hype. I answered that question. Now this is a comic that was drawn by our good friend Tone Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good friend of Sam's, and uh, Tyrese Gibson's Mayhem was written by three people. One of whom was Tyrese Gibson. Could you tell that it was written by? Uh, I could tell because it said Tyrese Gibson when under the writers. But actually reading the book, could you tell? Uh, it was I would have. I, I... <laughs> Here's the thing, Mayhem. It's not a terribly original comic. <laughs> I think I think we can wait, say wait, wait. It, what about the bad guy, Mr. X? Big X. Oh, Big you X. were wrong about that. The bad guy's name is Big X. Okay. And that's very different from most bad guys who would either be Mr. X or, or Mr. Mr. Big. Big. This is actually so I think he's like two guys <laughs> working together. I don't know, we'll find out. But uh, basically so there's there's this guy who no one actually says his name is Mayhem. Mayhem may just simply be the plot. Um <laughs> Or plotting, anyway. Uh, but uh, so this guy, he's a vigilante. He's killing these dudes with the assistance of this girl because there's this guy named Big X. Apparently, he's kind of a dick. Uh, he's you know, undergoing criminal activity or just you know mean spirited corporate activity, and thus people die. And then at the end of the first issue, oh my God, there is this twist. There's this huge. You will never in your million years see this twist coming. It will seriously. It will change the way you view the universe. It's it's so it powerful. What was your initial reaction when you read the last page? Don't help this book. Tell them what happened. <laughs> what happened? My initial reaction was I think I wrote this when I was 12. <laughs> but I do want every one of you to go out and buy this book. Yeah. To support our good buddy no, Tony Rodriguez. The storytelling, the visual storytelling is very good. We're not we're not being mean. Pretend being it doesn't have words. Pretend it doesn't yeah. have words. It's, it's or because color. you know what? You don't need it to have words. <laughs> Pretend it doesn't have words and it's all color and no coloring. Gilmore. Pretend you're buying a black and white Tony Rodriguez. In fact, 
this book is probably more satisfying if you just look at it. Yeah. Po quite possibly, yes. This colorist should move over to Avatar. Is it Tone? Is he doing his own coloring? Yeah, yeah, did you just put your foot in your mouth? No, it's okay. Rochelle Rosenberg. It's Tone's okay. idea, but listen, if you go through with white ink and you, yeah. and you just just rewrite the word bubbles. Yeah. Make, just, make him say whatever it's you want. It's not even, listen, you know, Three we're, people wrote that. We're, we're jesting because we we care. Because here's the thing. It's not even that it's really the most, most awful thing I, I've ever read. It's just so spectacularly unoriginal. And that's the thing that really bugged me about it. It's like literally, it's, it's, there's any 80s movie that involved vigilantism of some kind, whether it's stalled yeah. Dolph Lundgren or... or <laughs> I, that will teach you the meaning of hope. But um, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, what you're telling just, our audience is, yeah. if you want to save $3, just hang out on a Sunday and watch TBS. Pretty much. One of those movies with explosions yeah. will show any, up. Any Steven Seagal straight-to-video movie has a somewhat more creative plotting than this. I think Tyrese ran into someone with a Deadpool costume at a Halloween party. He's like, oh, can I try that on? And that's how this came to be. It looks me. more like the Red Hood to me. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the, uh, the new Red Hood. Guys, I want you guys all to start your own forum topic uh, at geekscape.net and talk about mayhem it is probably the yeah. most important book we've talked about here at geekscape because and we are so intertwined with the with this yeah. book i mean this is this, true. this, is, is this has become else. a part of our consciousness but here's the thing whenever you post about mayhem i want you to point out what your favorite tyrese film is what is your favorite tyrese film? that way that way we'll know what we're on the same page because i want to see if the too fast too furious people feel the same way as the transformers people or the baby boy people. Right. I want to see if that's... Because that's a social experiment for me that I want to explore. Uh, I don't think... Oh, well, never mind. That was racist. <laughs> <laughs> that thing you didn't say. We'll just take your word on that. So, guys, this is awful. go by mayhem. It is. Go by mayhem. Seriously, support else. this fascinating guys, um, uh, thing. I was over at Williams earlier this week, and he downloaded this new demo for Batman Arkham Asylum, and he played through it. Uh, Sounds important. What what, you say. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a game we've all been looking forward yeah, to for quite some time, and I we've, can't we've started. Last time there's been a good Batman we, game. There has Batman it. Returns of the Super right. NES. It was, it was a beat 'em up. It was pretty good. And I loved, I loved the one on the original Nintendo for the first Tim Burton Batman, mm. and I also liked the, I the that, one yeah. on the Game Boy. It was super satisfying. I uh, it was just a side scroller. Oh, well, they all were. Basically. And um, yeah. and. And uh, what did you think of this game? You know what? I thought uh, it was it was seemed very nicely designed. It looked neat. Uh, they got uh, a lot of the original voices from the series uh, play themselves. Uh, our our good friend, everyone's favorite Batman. Whose name is? You're the one who watches oh most of the animated such a series. Smug. I can't believe from the animated series. From the animated series, the guy who plays the voice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Oh my god. You're getting yelled at by the audience. You're getting yelled at all my credibility. Whatever you just yelled at the screen, that's what I mean. <laughs> um, but so he plays Batman. That's great. I have IMDb. It's great. Okay, but uh, but essentially because you come into it and the first sequence in the demo, because the whole point of a demo is to show off what we got for you. Right. You know, I, you know, this is what we're gonna, this is what you're gonna be playing. So the first that, not that I know of, however, he would make a great ventriloquist. Okay. Um, but it starts off with like a beat em up area. I'm like, okay, okay, beating people's Batman. That's not. It's okay. It's kind of neat. And then, uh, but then it turns into stealth. Right. The entire way, th the pretty much throughout the entire demo. And stealth games are tricky because you want to feel active, but you also want to feel like you're acting stealthily. Actually, does benefit you. And one of the biggest tricks is, and this is something that the demo didn't particularly sell me on, is enemy AI. The whole point of stealth is if you are detected by enemy AI, they have to react in a negative fashion. Right, yeah. They have to be able to say, oh, look, there's Batman. Well, we better shoot him. Click! Exclamation point. Exactly. But uh, in this demo, I was fucking, I was uh, uh, bat grappling hooking all over this room, right in front of guys, and they just like seriously. They kept going on their on their yeah. pre-programmed. But that kind of keeps in line with Batman lore, though. Yeah, but here's the, the difference between you know I'm so cool. Excuses for the I'm game so cool. I can I can stand behind you and you'll never know. I'm fine. I'm so cool. I can stand in front of you and you'll never know. Yeah, swing, I, swinging in front of a dude's nose. The, didn't didn't elicit any reaction whatsoever. Not even oh, I just saw Batman. Where did he go? Now I lost him after he moved in front of me. Just nothing. The guy didn't and even blink. Maybe yeah. the hidden level that you can unlock if you watch uh, Saturday morning cartoons with the singing skeletons will be better. Maybe I haven't seen this. He keeps talking about this trailer. I assume it's playing right here. It's, it's, uh, no, it's not. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I can't really put something into the Geekscape episode that originated and only lives in his fucking mind. 
All right. <laughs> there are singing skeletons in a graveyard. That's fine. And it sounds like this is Halloween. You know or what? Something. I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I'm going to nitpick about one other thing in here. And the, one of the whole things uh, that introduced in the demo is the idea that the Joker has imported thugs from Blackgate to Arkham right. to, to be the random guys that Batman fights. And I just want to. I really want to see a cutscene in which you know the warden of Blackgate Prison is like playing tiddlywinks with his secretary, and they just get a work order, and it's like, yeah, we have a prison transfer request from uh, Mr. P. N. Gwynn. Yeah, you know, or, or J. O. Kerr, and I'm like, oh, that's. Uh, just, I'm really busy with these tiddlywinks. Excuse me, just shove that through because there are Blackgate guys everywhere. Right. Arkham's a huge gothic, amazing prison. Everyone in Gotham is apparently completely insane. So why not just? Why even make that point? Just, are they going to bring some flash films in here? Are we going to fight Captain Cold? That'd be neat. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be neat. You can like, you can like, there'd be like, you can phone a friend or something in Batman really Arkham cool. Asylum and just have the Flash come in, run real fast, just beat up the Joker, and you're done. I believe you, you, I, sound, I, you sound like uh, an enthusiastic. I, I believe it's, uh, it sounds cool, but like, you know, you've got Marvel Ultimate Alliance two coming up in September. Yeah. You've got ODST, and then in October you've got uh, Brutal yeah. Legend. Those are the games I'm looking forward to. Yeah, pretty this much. This game. Really, I Rock mean, Beatles. considering you're buying six, seven games a year max for me, or oh, eight, if, eight, if nine. that for me, yeah. Like, this just slipped off If you're off a my huge radar. Batman fan, I like the demo. Download the demo. See if you like the demo. There we go. Done. It's We're not asking, we're right. not reviewing the full game. We're simply discussing something that is now entering the public consciousness. So, guys, speaking of games that we've loved, this past week on the 14th of August uh, was the 20th anniversary of the Sega Genesis. Yeah. We love the Sega Genesis. Oh, wait, oh, wait okay, I want to because here's the thing. We all remember when we were kids, there were you were either a Nintendo kid or a Genesis kid. Yes. Which I one? was a Genesis kid. That is you were a Genesis console. kid? I was a Genesis kid. I was a Super kid NES kid. We must now battle. <laughs> no, I had both. You had because, both? Well, because I had the Super NES after Genesis. Right. Yeah, okay. The, the Super NES replaced my Genesis. Genesis. I just kept hearing everyone talking about their blast processors, and I'm like, the Genesis continues to be the console. It'll, I think it'll always be the console I've spent more time on. The most yeah. time on yeah. ever. From from yeah. from Mickey's Ca- Castle of Illusion yeah. to the Sonic game. I was, I was to a, all those. Yeah. I've spent more time on that console I was a Super other. NES guy and I so you just had some wonderful so stuff. Times. You guys had the good Aladdin. Right. You guys had the good oh, Jurassic Aladdin Park. Oh, was phenomenal. I loved beating that Jurassic Park. That was so cool. Every time I was at a friend's wow. house with the Genesis, I'm like, dude. Please have pity on me. I knew I've been if I could Mario World forever. I knew if I could get through the uh, through riding the carpet through the magma level of Aladdin, mm-hmm. I knew I, I was. Yes, I was, yeah, you, yes. Felt like, you felt like a big man. You knew you could do it, and um, yeah. and Kid Chameleon. I mean, al- yeah. even Altered Beasts, like going through. What the, was that? What was the? What was it the, had such a great library. What was the Genesis exclusive fighting game where if you like uppercutted someone at the end, they'd like fall into like a pit of death or something in the background? It was like time. Oh my god, killers, you're right. Killers or something. I forgot all about it. Whatever your shout at the screen that's it right <laughs> but uh altered beast was the first game for altered me beast where is... i'm like holy shit i'm I a werewolf now yeah I altered beast this. was i got the genesis when it was packaged with altered yeah, beast sure. altered beast is one of those things where i think we put like we look at it with rose colored glasses now because i played that recently it's, not it's, a very like, good it's, game. it's awful it's no, really it's bad but, but you even had a, you, you remember how how uh how impressive Strider was when you're playing Strider sure. and just looking at the graphics and yeah. thinking, you know what, this is the pinnacle. This you know looks what? like people. Yeah. <laughs> it was real. I remember calling my mom in. It's like, Mom, look at this. Look at the way this looks. And yeah, she's like, oh be, my God, Miko, this looks great. Oh God. To be fair, uh, that was, uh, for me, that was, uh, Corey, what's the name of the Nintendo basketball game? NBA Jam? Double Dribble. Du- double Dribble. Uh, Nate Duncan, double Dribble. Yeah. You're like, you're like, holy shit, this will never... This will never get better. There will never be a more impressive video like game. Monster League uh, Hockey. Did you ever play Monster no. League? Yeah, but no, you know Monster what? League Mutant League Football was huge. Mutant League Football was actually Mutant cool. Mutant League Football no, was awesome. The only, the only sports game I ever liked on any of those was NBA Jam. NBA yeah. Jam was awesome. I was on fire so often that I could insert a joke afterwards if I wanted. Uh, what are we doing? Okay. Well, guys, we wish the Genesis a very happy birthday. We love it, playing those emulator games. Uh, <laughs> that is our episode. Uh, if you guys are here in L.A., check us out at the Hollywood Outdoor Cinema, hollywoodoutdoorcinema.com. We've got two screenings left, and then hopefully monthly screenings to bring us back until next summer. We'll watch some smaller movies and some smaller venues and just keep it alive. And remember, this week, Fight Club screening is on Friday, not Saturday. And bring your pillows and your PJs so we can do some... Pillow Hello, Fight, Fight Club. Club. Also, uh, guys, become a fan of Geekscape on Facebook. Look for uh, Geekscape on Facebook.com and uh, become and, a fan. And also, you can follow me on Twitter, Jonathan London, 
uh, that's my Twitter name. You, I've got updates from every day. We have a new article up on Geekscape. You guys are being great about that. Promote Look for your it. Series. But yeah, I'm getting to that. If you go to guys, go to YouTube and search for Singledom, the first episode, and I think uh, later this week, the second episode of Singledom will be out. Leave some comments. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe. It's and, beautifully uh, shot. <laughs> your, yes, your roommate shot it. And um, <laughs> oh, now you ruined that. Uh, well, it's <laughs> trying to be cool. It's better shot than directed. And written. Oh! But uh, guys, enjoy Singledom. Become our friends on Geekscape. All of that. Thanks, William, for coming thank on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Gilmore. And uh, guys, well, Geekscape.net is our website where you can read some of Gilmore and uh, William's writing. Not your writing, your feature editing. Yeah. In your writing. In my writing. Yeah. My promoting. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week uh, with uh, some friends of ours, Matt, Chad, and Rob. Those guys are really funny skit dudes. They're going to be on here talking about their live show they're doing later that week. We're going to promote that. Cool. Hilarious dudes. Talk to you guys later.